Welcome truth seekers all across the fruited plain. I'm your host, Kim S. Anderson, bringing you civics made simple. Hashtag we are exceptional. These are bite-sized civics lessons designed for you to take and share wherever you go. These are important times. Times that American citizens like you and me need to know how our rights came to be and the responsibilities that go along with them. I am really excited about the information and the lesson that we're gonna share today. As we're recording these, I'm gonna do three lessons at once. So this is actually gonna be part one of a lesson entitled the systems of government, government systems. The civics lessons that I'm teaching you, that I'm sharing with you are from Alpha Omega Publishers. And it is a phenomenal, phenomenal series. If you want to check that out, follow along with me. It's an amazing series on civics. And we are just literally in the first book. The introductory lessons of, of um, the civics course has, been, has dealt with a lot of history and the thoughts of our founding, our founding fathers. And so as I was going over this lesson about government systems, what really struck me, and it will probably strike you too as I start to give you some examples, is the miracle, the absolute miracle that it is that our country was even founded because so much um, was required of the founders. Like they literally had to step outside of the box and create something new. Do you realize how hard that is when you're talking about a government entity, how a country is run and come together, you know so much of what, what happened prior to the founding of America was simply a monarchy or totalitarian, <laughs> say that three times fast, but it was just or like a straight dictatorship, like there was no America. And so for them to come up with a completely new concept of government is simply amazing. And so I'm gonna go through some examples for you guys and I think you will start to see just how wondrous and amazing that this thing even came into being, okay? So we're gonna talk about three things, um, three different types of government systems. Um, we're only gonna cover two, I believe, in this video. In our next video, we will pick up um, a little bit more and finish up. So. What I want you to understand, the three basic systems of government um, are called, one's called unitary, one is confederal, and the other is federal. They all have some similarities, but they differ in the amount of authority that, authority and power that is granted to the national government. Um, we'll talk about the, the failures of the Articles of Confederation and the weaknesses that it brought in that confederal system, confederal. Articles of Confederation, Confederal System, um, and the differences between them. So let's get started. I think you guys are really going to find this very, very interesting. So basically, we said there are three types of um, government systems, unitary, confederal, and federal. So let's break those down. I got to grab some water. I'm coming. It's going to be good. I promise. That's thirsty. Okay. A unitary system of government is a, a system in which all power, did you hear me say all? All power 
is concentrated in the central government. Lower levels of government, such as states or provinces um, or local governments, can only exercise the powers that are given to them by the central government. So did you hear me say all power? Okay, all power rests in the central government. Um, ex examples of unitary governments would be Great Britain and France. And as the lesson states, to some extent, um, our American states exercise a unitary system of government. Within the boundaries of each state, officials exercise the powers that have been either given to them or not taken from them from the federal government. Local governments function only by powers that have been granted to them by the state. So in essence, they're saying that it, it, unitary systems of government that might, if you, you could put it that way, that operate in the United States would be the state's power and authority, not the federal power and authority, but the state's power and authority and how that is granted to the local um, and county governments that come under the states. But as far as a federal unitary government, you would look to Great Britain and France, where all power is derived from the central government. Now, our lesson states that um, some of the founding fathers, you know, held to this particular type of view of, of central government, their distrust of the ability of the people to rule themselves, one, and their concern over the lack of cooperation between states convinced them of this need. Um, but yet they kept discussing it, as, we'll, as you'll see, and it led to the establishment of a federal system with shared powers. Now, so that's a unitary government where think uni, think one. One rule of order, this is how it is, and it gives the, the authority and the power to, to those things that come underneath them. Now, confederal, now this is a very, very interesting thing because um, as, our, as our government was forming after the um, Revolutionary War, you know, they were, they were it's really interesting to, to think back how they were, they, were, they were trying things to see what would work. So let's, let's, let's dive into this part for just a sec. A confederal form of government is, in, is, is the form of government in which sovereign states grant certain powers to the central government for specific purposes. Okay, so let's look at that. So you have states having the authority and they give certain specific things back to the federal government to do for them. Okay, so that would be a confederal government. States have all the power, states have all the authority, and they give and grant the, the federal government something to do for them. So this group of states may decide that the central government can manage their, their mutual defense against a foreign enemy. So they authorize the central government to raise an army for the common defense. Now, that sounds right, you know, promote, promote the common defense, promote the common welfare. That sounds right. But let's see what actually ended up transpiring because of it. The weaknesses of this type of system were revealed to the colonists in their first attempt at a government independent of England under the Articles of Confederation. Now, the central government could raise an army for the protection of all. That sounds good and that sounds right. But what happened was um, they could only request that the states provide men necessary to establish the army. The central government was then further weakened by the fact, uh-oh, 
I lost my place. By the fact that it can only request that the states provide revenues to pay for the expenses, it always gets back down to the money. Anyway, it can only request that the states provide revenues to pay for the expenses. And what did the states do? They said, you know what? We don't think we're going to pay for it. So you had a central government with no financial resources because the states decided not to pay. So if Virginia said, we're not paying that, then New York said, guess what? Well, neither are we. And then South Carolina said, well, why should we carry the burden? But you've got this army that you want to defend you against England, but then you, you're not sending any money to do it. So the states were really, back then, the states had all the power. And the, the federal government at that point was was kind of helpless because if they didn't do what they said they were going to do if the states didn't do what they said they were going to do the federal government was helpless there's nothing in place for them to actually be able to pay for the things that the states had requested of them so they were sort of out there by themselves and so what it really turned out to mean um, under the articles of confederation was was that each state was its own nation and they might have come together to say defeat England, but then they weren't necessarily going to pay for it afterwards. So let me keep going. And then what we found was that there were differing views between the states. So um, where do I want to go? So and, and what we find in this lesson and what they share with us is that the state of Virginia was, you know, of course, very instrumental in um in the founding of the country, but that Virginia actually had its own Declaration of Rights, um, which was written by George Mason. They had their own Bill of Rights, and each state at that particular time basically functioned as its own nation. Like, what happened in Pennsylvania really didn't have any bearings on what happened in Virginia. They just did what was best for the people of Pennsylvania, and Virginia did what was best for Virginians without any regard um, to anyone else. Which is why I said it's actually like a real miracle that this country came into being because each each of the 13 colonies was acting like its own country. They had rules that, it, that, that didn't cross over. And so what was asked of them, I'm trying to find, um, I'm trying to give you a year. There was John Dickinson of Pennsylvania was selected to solve this problem of these independent nation states and how they could come together. And he was tasked with solving the problem to write a, a plan for a new national government. His name was John Dickinson and he was from Pennsylvania. And what he he created initially, check this out, guys. What he created initially was called a League of Friendship. Have you ever heard of that? It's almost like the League of Nations or <laughs> the Justice League or something, but it was called a League of Friendship. So in November of 1777, after debating for 18 months, a recommended form of government was sent back to the states for their approval. And this process was called ratification. You probably have heard that term before where it goes back to the states for approval. And then once all the states agree on this, then that is ratified. Now you might have heard like amendments to the Constitution have to get ratified. So in that process of ratification, it would take four years. Can you imagine the the time and the and the effort that went into this? In 1781, the art the ratification of the Articles of Confederation were complete. One reason was that several colonies had laid laid claim to the Western lands. 
And it took four years for them to let that go. And so when Virginia, once again, very instrumental, decided to cede its claims to the new government, to those new lands out west, New York and the remaining colonies followed. And so they had their league of friendship between the states and the new government under the articles was then formed. We will pick this up in part two. I'll probably go over this section a little bit more since I got scattered right at the end. But nevertheless, I will be back and we will finish up um, systems of government. All right. Talk to you soon. Peace out. Have a good one, guys. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Civics Made Simple. This is your host, Kim S. Anderson, inviting you to visit our site, kimsanderson.me.me, for the latest and most up-to-date information on our podcast and our store. Follow us at hashtag WeAreExceptional on Instagram and Twitter. God bless, and we'll see you next time. Oh,